0: Welcome to the last thing I saw—the can series of episodes. We are right at the end of the festival, and I guess it's become for me sort of a tradition. I'm always very happy when it can happen, and that is to sit down with Manola Dargas. Hello.
1: Hello, Nick. Sorry, <laughs> I'm very happy to be here.
0: And you've been here this year, but like you know, a lot of people, last year was was not really an option.
1: I think I had just gotten. I think I got vaccinated in April but I was not confident about coming here cuz last year was held in July also being in the south of France where it gets quite swampy in the summer was not no way was not something I was interested in doing um, yeah. so I passed on it it made me very sad because I've been coming for about 20 years and I really wow. love coming here not because it's in the south of France but just because of the opportunity to see so many great and good and interesting movies from around the world so yeah. it's a really and it also is For my purposes, it's nicely timed for the year because I go to Sundance uh, in January and then I also go to the Toronto Film Festival in September. So Cannes Mm -hmm. is a perfect, you know, I just, I'm going to these festivals every so often. So it it works out and I'm I'm very happy to be here.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it seems just to to, to be unfolding smoothly here. I wasn't here for the... You know various spit tests or whatever last year <laughs> fortunately that has not been reprised here I just um, got
1: ch- I got a swab I, my nose was swabbed this morning because I need to take a test to get back in the United States So that's, yeah, it.
0: so there's that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, And uh, to be honest, I guess I was uh, we don't have to dwell on this But it was a little surprising just at a certain point people just decided I don't need a mask ever in any movie theater I here. I
1: thought it was pretty from the very get-go. I yeah. was, it was pretty shocking that was I'm I live in Los Angeles and you have to fly directly from um, LAX to Paris, so I was in Paris for the weekend before Cannes starts. I know, it's it's a rough life, but, um, <laughs> and it was true in, in Paris as well, okay. you know. I was you know, in the Louvre, for example, surrounded by thousands and thousands of people mm-hmm. without masks, and I it was a basically a kind of a preliminary for coming to Cannes. Um, you know the americans are have been over the pandemic since nearly the first day it was <laughs> announced and right. the french are like way way over it and so too seen many people
0: yeah it's true yeah um but the festival hasn't ground to a halt or anything and, and if anything you know can has really been holding the line of the you know, French cultural exception, I guess. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I guess that's always something that, you know, people gripe about pomp and circumstance or, or the, I don't know, arrogance of Cannes and various, but I've in some ways come to appreciate it because it, the way it survives. Um, at the same time, is there are lots of wrong things with it.
1: No, I mean, but complaining about the pomp and circumstance and the red carpet at Cannes is like complaining about the utter vulgarity of the uh, Academy Awards. I mean, (laughs) I find it even pointless, you know, like, it's certainly amusing to to think about and talk about and some, you know, many of us have to write about it, but, you know, Cannes has, uh, it's... It's a brand. I mean, fundamentally, mm-hmm. again, I hate using these terms, but this is what it is. And its yeah. red carpet, and its pomp, and its circumstance are all, in, you know, really the factor in it. What sets Cannes apart from like Berlin? You don't think of the Berlin Film Festival and think, ah, glamour. You know, mm-hmm. it's not. It's so. So Cannes yeah. really kind of cornered this this particular thing. It is established at seventy five years old. And this is what it does and its sense of its own kind of historical continuity is incredibly important And as is it kind of the way that it fans nostalgia, you know And I think Mm -hmm. that's a really interesting thing to think about um, Nostalgia in terms of the movie world and the way, Mm. you know um, How it continues like the Oscars to use nostalgia about old Hollywood as a way Mm. of uh, Presenting itself today to contemporary movie audiences. I mean, you know, it's very important for it to have a certain number of Hollywood uh, types coming <laughs> Hollywood-ian. here, Hollywood, Hollywood and, you know, Hollywood, uh, whatever that means. And of course, it means different right. things to different people. And it's a moving target and has changed. Whatever that is, Ken is very smart about kind of tapping into that and presenting mm. it. So, you know, Tom Cruise here with the, the fighter jets, you know, <laughs> screaming overhead. That was completely appalling. Um, yeah. And then, you know, the the Baz Lerman, I don't know what in the world that was, but here with, uh, you know, this, uh, what's it called, uh, Elvis. That's all really important, as are all the very, you know, beautiful young people with not, you know, especially women with uh, bared shoulders. That is also part of the canon mystique that is very, which is nurtured um, and is very important to its global brand.
0: Yeah. And yeah, and then just the kind of ordaining of new stars or new auteurs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, although I was just thinking about that aspect of it. And I, I don't know if we're at a moment where there might be a certain, you know, changing of the guard or new generations, but it, it didn't feel necessarily like this year that that's quite happening now. You know, it also almost seems like New and newer auteur like Ruben Ostlin. It's, you know, it seems oh, like the please do
1: not call him an auteur. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. that What worldview his, do his movies in any way express? I mean, come off it.
0: Well, and new, you, and newer... you really one of
1: my most loathed movies here. Oh, really? Oh, you know? okay. absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Wait, what, let's stay on that just for yeah. a little bit because, yeah, tell me about that. Like, uh, it, it well, you, you don't like seeing people vomit <laughs> for five no, minutes. No, I mean,
1: you know, I like the Farrelly brothers, you know. Yeah. Uh, I think what I object to is mm-hmm. that uh, this movie, uh, which is called A uh, Triangle of uh, yes. Sadness, and very quickly to recap, it um, it has an ensemble of uh, different actors and different characters, but one of the most important is a very pretty, uh, you know, kind of typically vacuous um, male model. <laughs> um, and he and his girlfriend, who's even more vacuous, end up on a cruise, because they're influencers, quote unquote, mm. end up on a cruise. and of And, you know, as soon as the as soon as they were on the cruise, I knew it was going to sink. I'm sorry. And if you don't like spoilers, you can just turn this off right now (laughs) because this is part of our prerogative here at Canada. So we get to talk about what happens. Um, It's, I knew every single beat. You know, it's completely banal mm. on any, every single level. You know, I knew that this ship would somehow sink, that right. everyone would be capsized, and I knew it would turn into a kind of survivalist, you know, mm-hmm. Hobbesian war of all against all. <laughs> and, you know, and it mounts this kind of, uh, it, it, it pretends it's mounting some sort of critique of neoliberalism, mm-hmm. but it's not, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just glib, and he's glib, and the movie is incredibly glib. Um, but it's a very you know, a movie that makes people laugh mm-hmm. and feel clever. And so, you know, <laughs> it will find an audience.
0: Yes, there's always a market for that, for, for, uh, for flattering the audience's Absolutely. sensibilities. I mean, well, maybe let's talk about a movie that you liked. I think Broker was one that you liked that was actually- I did, yeah. um,
1: and this is the new film from Corrieta mm-hmm. and from who's a Japanese director I like very much. Um, I mean, one of the things about being at Cannes, and I think it's true of all film festivals, but I think it's actually much truer of Cannes, in part because so many people are really experiencing jet lag. A lot of people are tired. Yes. And the schedule can be quite grueling. And yes, I know we're watching movies and, you know, let's bring out the smallest little violins in the world. (laughs) However, you're watching movies that begin at eight thirty in the morning, and you're often um, going to screenings all day long, trying to work. I mean, this is a job for us, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and often, you know, kind of crawling back home after midnight, and then you're <laughs> kind of, you know, I don't know about you, but I have a hard time falling asleep after I've seen five, yeah. four movies a day, yeah. And my true. bodily rhythms are very, and I just couldn't bring enough cannabis with me. I didn't bring any, in fact, because, <laughs> so, so it was very hard to kind of like come down and yeah. to get to sleep. So sleep deprivation is a real thing, and it has to be considered here, but as a consequence of like having everyone here and everyone feels that they have to have an opinion, mm-hmm. myself included, of course, it's a very kind of, uh, the responses can be very Manichaean. It's either the worst movie ever made or the best right. movie ever made. Frankly, like as in the real world, the outside world, it, it's the middle ground, really. Mm-hmm. So this may not be the greatest movie that Corrieta has made, but it's not the worst by, by long shot, and yeah. I thought it was interesting, and it's it's very different for him. It's um, it's a kind of at one point, I just thought this is a slow moving thriller that he has kind of taken all the thrills out of, you know, <laughs> and made this kind of uh, intrigue about some baby brokers. Mm-hmm. and what I really liked about it was that it wasn't you know he is playing with genre in his own singular way, mm-hmm. um but his rhythms are completely different, and his his interests are completely different. Mm-hmm. He's not you know, there' was actually some tense scenes with the cops and the baby, but you end up being with the baby brokers and you end up seeing that he is trying to show fully emotionally, psychologically resonant portraits of people who he's not going to demonize. And I think that that's really, you know, something really interesting. Mm -hmm. And I just enjoyed it. It had a kind of shaggy feeling to it. Um, The performances are lovely. It's in, set in Korea. I kind of wondered if, at some point if it was supposed to be. The opening scene uh, involves a young woman climbing up a series of stairs at night in the pouring rain. And I just wondered if he, that was his nod to Parasite, which is huh. a very important uh, scenes in Parasite. It looked very similar. It's, uh-huh. I'm not saying that it is. I have no idea. But... Watching that, it was so visually uh, reminiscent Echo, yeah. of an uh, incredibly important scene in uh, *Parasite*. So, yeah. you know, and he is shooting in Korea for the first time. So I just thought he was kind of maybe tipping his hat. That's interesting.
0: Know? I like I like that idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I also like the idea of like a slow motion thriller, like you know, yeah. it's just like along, yeah, he's but, just, you know. he's putting along, but <laughs> yeah. you know, putting
1: along. Yeah, and I and I found it quite great. You know. Yeah. I, I think i I was trying to figure out if I was being more uh, generous than I would normally be because I haven't mm-hmm. been here for two years. Mm-hmm. I don't think so because I found plenty to dislike, so yeah. it's not like I'm uh, kind of grading on a curve this year because I'm just so excited to be here. It's yeah. You know there was plenty i didn't like i just uh i don't know i just seemed to have liked it more than some of my my colleagues
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and again that's that's broker the new koreta film um, do you have a favorite so far um,
1: one of my favorites is eo by yeah. the polish director yeah, jerzy Here, I, I love it <laughs> which you know i just a purely in terms of like visual and narrative experimentation is just so beyond almost Anything I've seen, or actually is probably the most interesting visually, you know, movie that, I in, that I've seen. Uh, I'm sure you've already talked about it on the podcast, so we don't have to go into it. But it's, you know, it's not a, it, it's, he's definitely engaging with uh, Brisson's Balthazar, which is honestly my favorite movie <laughs> ever. Oh, no. um, along with like, it's always like. The Godfather 1 and 2 and Mm -hmm. Balthazar those are always like right up there but certainly one of my most important movies and one that is Mm. one of the movies that is closest to my heart and to say that I love it isn't quite it's hard to say that you love something that is just so difficult to watch it's Mm -hmm. a very difficult to not not to watch because of its experimentation but because it's a very painful story about what happens, and it's yeah. very much about human barbarism toward animals and to the animals that we don't keep as pets, but the ones that we, you know, abuse and mm-hmm. and use as labor. Yeah. Um. And it's like some of the other movies this year. You know, it doesn't end on a moment. You know, there's no there's no exit here, and it's very yeah. like like I was very struck by several of the movies and the kind of really darkness to despair mm-hmm. that I you know like the Dardans by far they're making oh by far their saddest movie I yeah. mean I was pretty I was shocked because it doesn't end the way you ex- yeah. have come to expect a Dardan Brothers movie to end yeah so
0: yeah very uh, I don't know unceremonious
1: no it's it, it's and so to say you know the Skolomowski was my favorite but loving it it seemed kind of like not even part of the equation it's a yeah. movie that I you know admire tremendously and had a great feeling for and it movie i thought about the most
0: yeah i mean especially powerful because because of that combination between the experimentation and the human indifference because for me the uh stylistic experimentation was almost a way of sort of getting into the point of view of, of the donkey yes. and just in the sense that it's sh- his view should be very foreign to you because mm-hmm. how could you imagine what right. exactly it's like mm-hmm. and then yeah following that through the course uh, that it takes with thanks to human cruelty, but also just human indifference. Yes. People totally oblivious. Yes. Um, Which I think is why the uh, Isabelle Huppert uh, appearance is is actually pretty useful.
1: Absolutely. She uh, appears late in the movie as a kind of, felt for me as a kind of emblem of human decadence Mm. and indifference. But, you know, just uh, we are so far removed from the natural world to our great peril and now doom. And, you know. That is a very heavy thing to be watching in the middle of a film festival, (laughs) thousands and thousands of miles from home. And, you know, um, and it's and it's it's always true of every festival that what the kind of suffering and unhappiness that you watch on screen that really kind of moves you. But then you kind of come out here and you're just surrounded by this kind of delirium, this Mm. kind of choreographed delirium and sometimes anarchic delirium. Um, Yeah. It's very strange. Yeah. You know.
0: I wonder. I wonder if a good movie to move from that to could be Three Thousand Years of Longing, mm-hmm. because that is all about storytelling, and in a way, is escapist. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Uh, but that was a film that I think you liked as yeah, well. Yeah, I did it. like
1: it. You know, do I think it's George Miller's best film? No, I do not. <laughs> uh, but I enjoyed watching other things. I don't think work um, in it. Mm-hmm. I think it could. You know the critic in me is always like, yeah, it could be a little tighter. We don't need quite as many of the the scenes of them, uh, the two main characters in a hotel room. But I was, you know, I was entertained throughout. And I think that um, entertainment is really, I think also important, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, being engaged and and laughing at movies. You know, there's not a lot of opportunities here to to laugh, except, you know, in mockery. But um, (laughs) I think that one of the problems here sometimes is the way that, can kind of presents itself as the, the kind of ultimate platform for very serious right. movies, and and oftentimes that kind of is reduced to a kind of very dull idea. It's it may not be you know um, I don't know what was the old French term with the, these kind of respectable movies. You know I'm trying oh, to remember what you we. you mean
0: were. the what is it like the cinéma de papa? Or yeah, exactly. Or like so that? you know, but that. <laughs> Oh, tradition of quality.
1: Tradition of quality, exactly. So, you know, Cannes certainly adheres to a tradition, its own tradition of quality. Mm-hmm. And there are these overstuffed movies, you know, with like, you know, a lot of dolly shots and in, about important things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and then sometimes they'll show a kinetic action movie, but it's oftentimes that will be at midnight. And so that gets, right. you know, that gets kind of slotted as somehow not as important. And it's right. just nonsense. Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, one of the greatest movies to ever... Play at can again, was by George Miller, and that mm-hmm. was Fury Road. That's one of the greatest yeah. movies ever to play in 75 years here. Of course, I have not seen most of the movies in the early years, but I wasn't around. I'm old, but not old. <laughs> but, you know, but that was out yeah. of competition, and it's that just, you know, oh, wow. wiped the floor with everything.
0: I forgot that was out yeah, of competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. so
1: we get, like, you know, it's not quite as bad as the most cliched ideas about Sundance, you know, where it's just, right. like, do cinema, so it's not that, but, right. you know. One gets the sense that one is sometimes being uh, lectured to, uh, you know, it's a bit much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but well, it's funny, I mean, t- thinking Of Sunday, like the different types of importance and the different right. types of right, you know, imprimatur they're putting on here and here, a particular, I don't know, artistic like austerity or artistic, I don't know, masochism at times, you know. But I mean, what was also interesting to me is that you spoke with George Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, part of the pieces you've been writing at the times, some have been, uh, criticism, and one of them was like a profile of him. Yeah, so, I try to do yeah. one
1: profile at least, and one, you know, um, and I just really wanted to talk to George. He Miller, seems to delightful. Be, yeah, and he was absolutely delightful. We, it was actually hard for us to let go. You know, I mean, it was—he was—he gave me a lot of time. Oh, cool. Of course, I bring—I bring a very big uh, elephant in the room with me. You know, the New York Times. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm very privileged in that sense that I get mm-hmm. to. But, um, you know, I didn't see the movie beforehand. But I just knew that he would be an interesting cat to talk to, and yeah. he was. You know, um, yeah. he is a really, really interesting guy. He's, like sparks were flying out of, you know, off his head. So that was super (laughs) cool. I really enjoyed that.
0: Yeah. I mean, also, I just have to love that he makes a movie where a main character plays a narratologist. A
1: narratologist, you know, which I think is actually what George Miller is as well, you know? Yes, I like that. Yeah, Yeah.
0: he's one of our lead narratologists (laughs) on on the cinema faculty. So, yeah, I I guess that's coming out also at the end of the summer. So that's a movie here Mm -hmm, that you'll mm -hmm, be able to mm -hmm. see. Um, I wonder if there's anything that you've seen here that just seems like this is never gonna make it out of cam, but was really interesting for you. You know, it just wasn't, for lack of a better word, commercial in some way. I don't
1: know, at this point, I think it's really hard I think because streaming I mean I wrote something like this already I think most of these movies will make it out into the ah, world. Okay. I think once upon I think pre-streaming that was not the case and that there were definitely movies that would just kind of wait around and, and then maybe eventually because you know there'd be um, you'd wonder why a movie you liked hadn't been picked up it was because maybe they were asking too much for mm. let's say the American domestic you know for the American mm-hmm. market so you would hear like, there was haggling going on behind the scenes, mm-hmm. but, you know, and so th- it's not like the early 60s where, you know, like you go to the New York Film Festival and see a new Godard movie and it would take like two to three years for it to come into mm-hmm. to be released in theaters. Right. Those days are long, 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 long gone. Um, streaming, though, just means that things will come out. Now, how they will come out, you know, is often kind of depressing because they will kind of mm-hmm. open and, you know, they probably will not be opening in theaters, but, right. you know, they will have some sort of... The titles that are being bought by, you know, American companies like Neon, for example, mm-hmm. they will open because they're they're very smart. These are the people who yeah. put out Parasite. And, you know, they have figured out how to turn a certain kind of art cinema into a kind of, you know, they use this term, eventi- they don't use it, but uh, they kind of eventize right. a movie. And honestly, that model is really borrowed from Disney. You know, I mean, this mm-hmm. whole idea, I mean, this is all me just gassing on but it's, it's really you know the what disney is very very good at and disney overwhelmingly dominates the american um, market is mm. that every one of their releases and they only release like tw- about a dozen movies or so a year mm. but every movie that they do and they own they own marvel they own lucasfilm and they own pixar mm. every film they do it becomes an event and it sucks up all the attention you know all the media attention and I think for certain kind of um, smaller movies uh, that are, you know, art films, that the ones that kind of break through like *Parasite* also have to be kind of turned into events. And mm-hmm. Neon is very, very good at doing that. So, yeah. but I think most of these will come out in some fashion, one way. You yeah. know, we have some really good American distributors, and they won't be in theaters for very long. But you know, Kino is out there doing the mm-hmm. good, you know, doing the good work. So I think a lot of this stuff will just come out one way or another. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was very curious about Layla's brothers, but I haven't se- seen anyone who has seen has seen that. I
1: saw that. Yeah, I liked it. You liked it. Yeah, I, it's three hours. It doesn't need to be yeah. two hours. <laughs> I would have gotten the point. You yeah, know, okay. um, I like it. It's a. It basically can be broken down into. It's about a family of one daughter and four brothers, who some of whom are either living with uh, the parents. She lives with the parents, as I think one of the brothers does, and. They all kind of come together for different reasons, and there's a family crisis. But the the movie's narratively, um, structurally, like it's it's organized around a series of confrontations, okay. Uh, kind of. So there's just these very long kind of encounters and arguments, um, and I mm-hmm. greatly enjoyed it. And it's pretty open about the difficulties, including economic difficulties, mm-hmm. um, in Iran. It's it's pretty. You know, I'm always really interested how movies get funded and how they get. How they get past the censors, you know. Mm. Um, and, you know, the family is very poor. They're, they're struggling um, very early on. One of the brothers loses his job in a factory mm-hmm. when the factory goes bankrupt. And so they're really struggling. Um, and it engages with economic uh, hardships um, and as well um, as patriarchy, but it does it in a, you know, by showing, not telling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the telling mm-hmm. uh, is the American way. This is a movie that basically <laughs> does not. You get it through people, what's happening, uh-huh. you know, through their experiences and their conversations.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: It's an interesting movie.
0: Yeah, and I guess one other film uh, that sort of screened at the end of the festival. So you know, I always want to make sure that people know about it, since sometimes things can get lost in the shuffle. Uh, but the Kelly Reichardt film mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. showing up. Yes. Uh, what, did, what did you make of that? I liked it. I yeah. did.
1: Um, I think. It's a kind of very slow boil, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know. um, Mm -hmm. I think it takes a little long to kind of get its thing on. But um, Mm -hmm. I was funny. I was talking to someone last night, and he loved it from the very beginning. And the beginning is actually good, kind of actually the opening credits. This is a movie. uh, Michelle Williams plays Mm -hmm. a... She works at um, an art college. It's unclear if she actually teaches or has an administrative job. You don't really see her actually teaching. I don't remember Mm. seeing her teaching. Mm. Um, She's often in an office, and she's also an artist. And Mm. she makes these little sculptures of women. Mm -hmm. um, uh, And these little sculptures are much more uh, facially, gesturally expressive than she is. So it's actually really (laughs) an interesting tension that she makes these uh... little figurines that are kind of caught in these dramatic poses and with this expressivity and Michelle Williams's performance is very, very good. It's very—it's drained of kind of a flamboyant affect, and it's not. Mm. It's kind of the opposite of the kind of a showy, actorly performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's got these rounded, sh- slumped shoulders. The way she walks, she holds her arms close to her body. Um, her eyebrows have been darkened in a certain way. They almost seem like, you know, accentuating like her frowning. You know. Mm-hmm. I don't remember seeing her smile once in the movie. and Yeah, yeah, she's just, it's a really interesting performance. And yet her art is very expressive. Mm -hmm. Um, And the movie begins just as she's trying to finish up so that she can mount her latest show. Mm -hmm. And it Mm -hmm. involves, I think primarily it's about artistic process and about loneliness and Mm -hmm. the kind of, uh, the kind of very interesting intricacies about how, how you need to make art. And she's not making an argument about, I mean, I don't see it as an argument that the artist can be whatever, but you get the Mm. sense of like, she's not a lovable character. you know, in American banal, you know, uh, I keep using that term banal because I guess I'm here, Um, in, in kind of very boring terms. You know, I, I could imagine that there will be people complaining that she's not relatable, but it's like, that means that you've never met me. She's as grumpy as <laughs> I am and the people that I care about, you know? Um, just, yeah. she's just like, she's just kind of <laughs> needs to do her work. And um, she, it's a very delicate movie in a lot of ways. And it's incredibly, she's very good at these details, you know, little mm. details. And it's, she's a kind of pointillism, you know, it's oh, like. like the painting. Yeah, yeah well, uh-huh. just little dots that are going to mm-hmm. make the larger together. picture you know yeah. um, very discreet I do think that maybe it shouldn't be in the main competition ah. mm-hmm. you know I feel like the main competition there's a kind of like a heaviness to a lot of the main competition mm-hmm. whether mm-hmm. it's because they're established auteurs tours or because the very important subjects that they're about you know um, mm-hmm. and I just I wasn't sure if it should be and it. it might kind of but uh, it's been nice that people have been really open to it from yeah. what I've seen
0: yeah.
1: um, but you know as a reminder, I think it's always important to point out that the critics do not hand out the palm door.
0: <laughs> yes, very true. Yeah. And, um, uh,
1: you know, what the critics say as seems to have very little, if no bearing on uh, who gets the awards.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this sort of reminds me of uh, the way the Times does the Academy Awards, which is like yeah. the thing you think should win and, and the thing that you think will win. Yes. Do, you have, is, do you have that feeling for the palm?
1: I yeah, no. I mean, what I think should win. I mean, every so often the two align, just like the yeah. Academy Awards, and your favorite movie actually wins, and you're just like, wait, what just happened? Yeah. You know, this is <laughs> bizarre. This. Yeah. You know, wait, Parasite, what? Moonlight, what? What is? What's <laughs> going like on? you think you're gonna wake up. <laughs> yes, yeah, so the world is turned upside down, and so every so often here it can, you know, your favorite movie, but then every so often, uh, you know, a, a, a ridiculous movie like Tatan wins. Um, so there's a lot of hits and a lot of misses, and. The jury is composed of nine people. I think one of the things that I'm kind of hopeful about this year's jury is mm. that it's um, most of the people on the jury are directors, and some of them uh-huh. are actually kind of uh, formally inventive directors, too, and mm-hmm. so I think that they might be more open to experimentation. You know, mm. I'd always heard that uh, the year that George Miller was president of the jury, that the movie that I wanted to win... Mm-hmm. That, that there was no chance in it just because it was three hours long. So I'm really was, well, uh, at least the is nice and short. So yes, <laughs> it is. It
0: is short. No, it, no, it's so true. But having directors there, you know, it's 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 encouraging because you always think of like the the odd couple, you know, favorites in the past, like Tim Burton loving Uncle Me. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Or David Cronenberg when he led the jury, right after Crash, he gave it to I guess Rosetta. Mm-hmm, and
1: yeah, that's another
0: yeah. thing. He's totally. You know, diametrically opposite Yes, but styles. it's like
1: musicians. You know, musicians like to jam with a lot of different people and they like a lot of... It's music, you know? And it's, I think, with filmmakers, will recognize talent, you yeah. know? Um, at least I hope so. Um. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Um, are what,
1: you seeing any more movies today?
0: I'm actually going to... Might watch a movie again.
1: Oh, which one are you seeing again? <laughs> um,
0: sometimes I do it just for fun. Decision to Leave.
1: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did,
0: did you Did you like that I one? I did like yeah. it a
1: lot. I I admire it more than mm-hmm. I have feelings about it. It's a very... Very admirable piece of work, you yeah. know, um, and I'd like to watch it again Honestly, because I think the thing that he does with time is really fantastic uh, I yeah. mean really yeah. and that's part of it. I mean it's a, obviously there You know me and a lot of other people have talked about vertigo in relationship mm-hmm. to this movie. Um, mm-hmm. It's a very important um, Touchstone for this movie, which is not an homage per se, but it's kind of engaging with a lot of it has a, a lot of visual echoes mm-hmm. with with um, Vertigo, mm-hmm. um, but I think Time is really important to Vertigo, and it's important to this movie, so it's really interesting how he plays with time.
0: Yeah, well, that's one reason I want to see it, right. because I, my experience of time was somewhat unconscious during that movie. So. <laughs> right,
1: well, because our experience of time here is very difficult. I mean, yes. you're just sitting for hours, you know, hours, and you just don't know if the sun, where, where yeah. where's the sun in the sky? You have no, you lose your bearings here.
0: You yeah, know? very much so. There is one movie that just to talk about a movie that maybe is sort of off the beaten track for some, um, the Silent Twins. I was very mm-hmm. curious about. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that. Mm-hmm. Was that. Uh <laughs> Something to pass over in silence? or I, I was it? not a fan. Okay. It was not mine. It seemed like an, an ambitious idea and also the pairing of that director and material. Um, but yeah.
1: Yeah, I just it just didn't work for me. It was I found it rather grating, actually. Um, and I never need to see it again. Sure. Yeah, no, un-
0: understandable. <laughs> and I mean, there are also some movies, you know, uh, I think what happens sometimes is that on a certain regard, you have these ceremonies, the prize ceremony, and then you hear about a movie that, you missed. That's
1: oh yeah, no. I, I mean, I was really sad about how many. I mean, I saw. I, I've seen, or I will have seen. I would. I think all of the comp, main competition movies, mm-hmm. and then a, a kind of fair number in, in certain regard. Uh, very few in Kenzan. You know, mm-hmm, it's very mm-hmm. difficult. It is. Difficult it is really everything. difficult. And, yeah. you know, you get. What you do is you book your tickets and you hope to make it. Sometimes that means like running. You know, I've done a lot of running. Yes. Life here, I do always do a lot of running. Yeah, um, me too. But if you don't cancel, like if you somehow, I missed movie because I was on deadline. I completely spaced out. And, you know, you're completely terrified because they will rescind your priv- privileges, you know. Yeah. And I've heard yeah. of people having uh, their tickets canceled, which is just a nightmarish scenario. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, that definitely, the whole house of cards come crashing <laughs> down in that second. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a couple of things in the certain regard that I hadn't seen. Mediterranean Fever. Was nope. One? Nope. Missed it.
1: I know. <laughs> I had a ticket. I, I, know, I uh, know. Me
0: too. I had a ticket. Yeah. I, yeah, I, feel I know. Of course it very- has to win. And then the, at the very end of the festival, there was also Mother and Son, or, which or, I liked. Actually. Oh yeah. yeah, I haven't talked with anyone about this. So.
1: Um, it's interesting. The in the 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 French title actually is much better. It's Little Brother. Little Brother, uh, yeah. You know, um, uh, and given that there are actually two sons in the movie, also again Mother and Son seems a very confusing right. translation yeah. to me. Um, and it's very nicely done story about a woman who uh, close to the be- it begins shortly after she has um, come from uh, the Ivory Coast to Paris with her two younger sons. Mm-hmm. and you find about her history and like you don't even know where they're from until very late in the movie. Uh, it's done in this very casual way that you find out mm-hmm. uh, which country there is. So I really like how oh, the director so. kind of um, teases out the information. and so you're basically watching um, the story of this woman, young woman, and her two young sons. One seems to be about 12, the other about five or so. Mm -hmm. Um, I may be a little off by a few years. And you're kind of with her at the beginning, one third of the movie, you're with her. And then you switch to the older son, mm-hmm. and then you finally the movie ends with the younger son. And the younger son, uh, f- from childhood uh, to adulthood, you kind of trace that. And mm-hmm. so you're getting this very nice different angles on this one family and what mm-hmm. and and their experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, of fitting into a culture that is not always very welcoming, Mm. and also their own kind of conflicting desires, the things that they want for themselves, either as individuals or as a family. I liked it, and it wasn't like a shocking movie, but it it continually surprised me more than anything. Mm. So unlike, let's say, Triangle Sadness, where I knew (laughs) every damn beat, this movie I wasn't sure where it was gonna go. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I was typically insane thing where I could only watch half an hour, but I thought that was, I had the tickets, so I thought it was better than nothing. Yes, um, it just, but I was, they, they were they, I mean I, I saw enough also that they at one point she's working for like a guy who owns a castle and hotels or something. That is a great scene. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that is an amazing scene about and I think it's a great encapsulation of a yeah. certain kind of white liberal kind of paternalism toward, mm. uh, you know, other people. <laughs> um, yeah, he, this, this guy who's a you know, hotel owner invites all of his employees, most of whom are people of color, to his chateau. And he actually enters, the, uh, you first meet him, he enters with his horse, his white horse. Yes. It's a little, it sounds very on the nose, but it actually works because it's very funny. The white horse galloping in because he's lost his horse. And he's running after the horse carrying a gun. Yeah. And uh, he comes and he addresses them all and they all look at him. And then he fires a shot. Yeah. And they all like end up dancing because every French movie, it seems, has to have a dance sequence. A dance I've sense, yeah. you know, Always. And... Um, <laughs> And then, like, there's an orgy, kind of, like, but you don't see the orgy. But <laughs> it's just, it's hot. Hu- <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, yeah, yeah. It's and a- that's just, it, but it's a, it's done in a very kind of. I just, it just slipped in there because there's a lot of sadness as well, you know, yeah, and there's yeah. drama. But um, it's a very it's interesting it just plays it the difficulties that the family does how it deals with that very different from how an american filmmaker would Mm, do it
0: yeah yeah and also just like an openness to the casualness about like this very wealthy class that yes. still exists, like mm-hmm. it hasn't gone away. You nope, know? nope, nope. They nope. still have the castle yep, and yep. now they have hotels um, and yeah, maybe they happen yes, to. Yes, the
1: ruling class is still ruling. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. right, yeah.
0: So yeah, that was, as a movie I hope to finish at yeah. some point. But I guess we could probably start wrapping up. This Absolutely.
1: Dep- I'm, it's, uh, but it's always a pleasure to yes, talk to you, always Nick. Always a
0: pleasure to talk to you. So any parting words about festival or anything? Or? No,
1: except that I'm really, really happy yeah. uh, that I was able to come. I feel it's a great privilege and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I I never take it lightly and it's Always really fun to see colleagues, you know. Yeah. Even though I've been mm-hmm. writing so much, uh, I haven't really seen very many people. But it's yeah. I can finally uh, start to emerge as the festival ends. I've got one more movie, oh. Albert Sarah. I, it's like three oh. hours long. I, you know, we'll see how it, we'll see how that goes. Yes,
0: I have to hear what you think of that. <laughs> you will. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you, Gammonola, and a pleasure as always. Lovely. Thank okay. you. Bye. You've been listening to the Last Thing I Saw with your host Nicholas Rapold please consider signing up at repoll.substack.com. Special thanks to the Minarets for the opening music. Thank you for listening.